Well, good evening. It is about seven o'clock. That means it is time for our midweek Bible study here at Santee Circle Church of God here on Wednesday night. Uh, it is May the 26th, and so we are so excited you're joining us today for Bible study. We're doing things a little bit different today. Uh, we have some renovations going on uh, in our main sanctuary uh, and uh, have some things kind of out of place uh, that we are uh, dealing with today. And so therefore, we're having to do this Bible study remotely today. And so we are actually off campus tonight uh, doing this. Uh, we do have our youth meeting uh, still on campus tonight, but we have our adult Bible study meeting off campus online this evening. If you are just tuning in, let me say to you, welcome. We're so excited that you are joining us and you are with us this evening. Uh, we're going to open up with a word of prayer and then immediately jump right into our Bible study tonight. So shall we pray together? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love, mercy, and grace. Thank you for your, your ever very present help in time of trouble. God, as we get ready to break forth the bread of life today, help us to, Lord, to be able to hear the words of Christ speak so eloquently and so uh, effectively into our hearts today. Father, I pray that every man, woman, boy, or girl listening under the sound of my voice tonight would be encouraged, would be challenged, changed, and encouraged by the message of Jesus Christ. It's not about me hiding me behind the cross of Calvary, but Lord, let your word go forth. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to unpack and unfurl your words today and reveal what thus saith the word of the Lord says. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. If you have your Bibles, I would like for you to go with me to the book of James, the book of James chapter number one, the book of James chapter number one. While you're turning there, let me say a couple things to make mention of you and to let you know about. Uh, don't forget, you can uh, find out all the information going on at our church and other uh, events and uh, uh, things that are happening on our campus by going to our new website, www.santeecirclecog.org. That is santeecirclecog.org. You also can follow us on Facebook, Santee Circle COG. You can also stream our services uh, after they have happened uh, on YouTube, Santee Circle COG, and you can be a part of that as well. Let me also say to you today that you can also give if you want to help further the advancement and ministry of Santee Circle Church of God. You can do so by giving. Uh, you can go on to your smartphone device and you can download um, the tithe T-I-T-H-E dot L-Y uh, app, Tidely app, and uh, and you can look uh, on there and just search Santee Circle COG, or you can go to our website, SanteeCircleCOG.org, and there is a button that says give, and you can give that way. You also can download our app in Google Play as well as the Apple Store, uh, and it is literally called Our Church. That's the name of the app, Our Church. Once you download the Our Church app, you will it'll ask you what's the name of your church, and you will put Santee Circle C O G, and we will immediately come up with our app uh, availability feature. So, a lot of cool stuff happening. Don't forget VBS is coming up June 13th through the 16th. Uh, that'll be at 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday through Wednesday. Don't forget on June the 5th, that is a Saturday, we have a church work day from 9 to 12 to try to clean up some things around the property from 9 to 12 on June the 5th. 
Also on June the 6th, that Sunday night, we will be having a men's and women's fellowship. We're asking anyone who is coming to bring a like a covered dish, snack type foods, almost like a snack night. We'll have men's and women's Bible study and then uh, vote on a, a, a leadership for those departments and uh, subsequently follow through uh, moving forward uh, with that as well. So don't forget those things. We'd love for you to be a part in journey of our journey uh, with us on that as well. All right. Are you ready to hear the word of the Lord? I am ready to share today what God has for us today. So let's join right in. James chapter one. We're going to begin reading uh, there and uh, uh, scroll down. Let me make sure that I tell you the right verse. Verse 19 is where uh, we will begin today. James one and 19. Here's what the word of the Lord says. This you know, my beloved brethren, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Look back at verse 20. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. We started a series last week entitled Journey into Living Wisely in a Foolish World. The Journey into Living Wisely in a Foolish World. And tonight I want to talk, if I had to subject title this, Help for the Hothead. Help for the Hothead. I want to talk tonight about anger. Our world right now is full of anger and malice and evil. In fact, a lot of these different uh, propagandas and, and movements and rioting and things that are happening have not been done in peaceful protests. I, I am not against if you are disagreeing with someone. And even if you want to honorably protest in a safe and a productive way, but when protest leads to riots and to fights and to... Uh, destroying of public property and, and risk the lives of individuals, then at that point, I do believe that we have overstepped our bounds and are not living prudently or wisely in a foolish world. We all have had times in our lives where we have gotten angry. Anger is a, is a bitter poison. It is uh, sometimes uh, 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 seems like a sweet drink, but it is tough to go down. Anger, we have all gotten angry. I'm sure if I were to ask, do you ever get even angry till still today? Some of you would probably say, well, pastor, that is a stupid question. Of course I got angry. I've gotten angry. I got angry at my spouse this morning. I got angry at my kid last night. I got angry at, you know, uh, the doctor just the other week. I got angry at the preacher. I know that's hard to believe, but some people get mad at the preacher and they leave the church and do other things because they get mad at the preacher. We get angry. All of us have moments of anger. Uh, have you ever been uh, angry recently? I'm sure that if I were to ask some of you, have you been angry recently? Many of you would tell me, well, of course I've gotten angry recently and, and, and give me an example. We all get angry from time to time. You know, uh, men and women actually handle the emotion of anger differently. Psychologically speaking, uh, men and women kind of process their emotions differently. Typically speaking, men will normally get angry more frequently than a woman. That is shocking to believe, I'm sure for some, but the reality of it is men oftentimes are quicker to get angry than women are. 
Uh, so all the women right now that are listening said amen. Amen. But men oftentimes are quicker tempered or what we call hot-headed individuals. They don't ask for directions. They don't uh, like to discuss different things. They, uh, they get a little more angry or upset about things. They typically express, men typically express their anger more outwardly than women. They get more combative, aggressive, uh, violent in behavior. They yell. They make their presence known. Uh, even when men get mad at other men, it becomes loud, boisterous. It becomes a public spectacle of an event. They get, uh, it becomes a, a, a documented uh, event that everybody sees the, the venomous toxins of their anger. Now, women, on the other hand, tend to get less angry as often as men, but they also are typically less likely to express their anger outwardly. A man gets mad, he just spills his venomous toxins, he gets mad at everybody, he tells everybody how he feels, he gets mad at you, he gets mad at her, everybody gets mad. But at the end of the day, once he's mad, he gets over it. But women typically are less expressive of their anger. But typically speaking, psychologically speaking, women hold on to their anger longer. So they express it uh, less outwardly, but tend to be angry longer than men. So men get angry more frequently. Women stay angry longer. Men yell. Men get, get outward. Women are internal creatures. But in the book of Proverbs that we have been studying about this journey into living wisely in a foolish world, I believe there are three things that I could point out throughout the book of Proverbs that helps us understand how to help the hothead. So if you're listening tonight, maybe, honest confession is good for the soul, maybe you are a hothead. Maybe you're arrogant. Maybe you uh, get angry easily. Uh, so tonight I want to talk about what, what are ways to help us when we get angry or we become hot-headed? What are ways to help the hotheads? Now you say, well, Pastor, I never get angry. I never get mad at my wife, my spouse. Well, praise the Lord. You need to come preach for me on Sunday morning because sometimes the preacher struggles getting frustrated about things. The first thing that I think that we can look at to today about helping the hothead is you have to make sure you reflect on the results. You have to understand by getting angry, what is the results going to, to happen? Uh, oftentimes, I tell people all the time that angry might make you feel better for the moment, but it's only going to cause catastrophic damage down the road. Anger doesn't change the situation. For an example, if my son comes home today from school and he uh, throws a baseball through the window and it breaks, I can get mad and angry. I can threaten to all but take everything he ever owns away. I can punish him. I can be livid. I can say venomous things like, how dumb are you? Are you stupid? What was wrong with you? What were you thinking? I can be hot-headed and get angry. Is the window fixed? No. It's still broken. I still got to take plastic and patch it up so someone can come in. Or I've got to find a way to keep the bugs or the elements out from getting inside of the house. Why? Because... Good, bad, or indifferent, uh, it still happened, and that doesn't change the outcome. But my reaction, the reactionary response that I gave getting that angry and saying, my son may not ever get over the words of how stupid are you. I just spoke prophetically over his life that he's dumb. He may not ever get over the words you know, uh, that I say in, in my fits of anger. It didn't fix the window, 
but long-term, it may have broke his spirit and his heart. And oftentimes when we get angry, if we're not careful, our anger will lead us to make things or decisions or say things that we will ultimately regret because we didn't mean it the way it sounded. We didn't mean the way it come across, but ultimately we did say it and it was venomous and toxic in behavior. So you have to understand what the results are like. Men are more likely to get angry at things while women are more likely to get angry at people. Men get mad about things. You know, you broke the car window, you broke the door handle, you you jumped, you know, you, you broke, you put a hole in the wall, you were roughhousing and you put a hole in the wall, you messed with my lawnmower, you, you broke the chainsaw. They get mad at things. Women more often get mad at each other or at other people. They get mad because the husband didn't put his shoes away. So they're mad at their husband. Uh, they get mad because a girl in town was talking about him or somebody at the beauty salon or at the, at the you know, nail salon, you know, made some snide comment to him or whatever. They get mad at people. You see, but both scenarios, most of them, men or women, they express their anger and they vent. And we always like to say, I'm just venting. I'm just sharing my, getting it off my chest. We're venting. But you know where most people vent? Oftentimes, most people actually vent the most at home. They don't say it to the boss. They don't say it to the people that made them mad. They take it out on their spouse, their children. They go home. And the people who did nothing, the spouse who said nothing, the men and women who said nothing, the, the, the children who said nothing, they're just at home. And they come home and they get lamblasted by something. They're like, whoa, what's wrong with you? Because they get the, the effect of wrath the effects of the wrath that you've bottled up. In fact, before we lose our tempers, we should really reflect on what the writings of the Proverbs, uh, the writer of Proverbs said in 19 and 19. He said in Proverbs 19, 19, a man of great anger will bear the penalty. See, when we're angry, it has consequences. It has punishment. It has effects. Our anger has consequential effects on those around us. You see, they're all, that always means that we have to reflect on what are these consequences. So, when we talk about reflecting on the results of what our anger can do, I think there are four sub-points about reflecting on our anger. I believe there are things we should at least consider uh, about anger. When we start talking about if we get angry and the effects and the results of that, uh, what, what things could be affected? So I got four things that I think could be results or affected by anger. Number one, I believe that anger hurts relationships. Anger hurts relationships. In fact, in Proverbs 29, 22, the Bible says an angry man will stir up strife. It means angry people like to keep it stirred. They like to keep the drama stirred. They like to keep everything stirred. They get angry. They just want to make everybody else miserable in their path. They're like a tornado. They're destroying everything in their path. They're just mad. They're bitter. They're just destructive in everything that they do. So anger destroys relationships. Anger creates strife at home, at work, at school, with other relationships. If we don't learn how to control our anger, I would cautiously tell you tonight that it will ultimately lead to devastation in relationships. If you don't know how to curtail your anger and keep your anger under subjection, it will have devastating effects long-term. It will cause catastrophic damage in all of your relationships. You see, many times someone goes home, they've had a bad day on the job, a bad day at school, a bad day at the church office, and in that moment, they're frustrated. So they go home. The spouse is cooking dinner. And the spouse is in a good mood. They're excited to see their, their hubby or the wifey coming in the door. And they are excited. They hear the, 
the, the car door is shut and they slightly get excited. They're coming through the door and they open the door and they're like, hey, how are you, babe? How are you doing? They're so excited. And then the venomous toxins of the spouse is released. And do you really, have you ever noticed that within 10 minutes after you've gotten home from being angry, that now your spouse and your children are in different moods? Now they're frustrated, angry, in a bad mood. You know why? Because they, too, have effect, feel the effects of your wrath. You see, anger will hurt relationships. Another thing that uh, anger uh, will do and, uh, and, and, and will have effects of is anger will cause health problems. You ever thought about that? Anger will cause health problems. Notice, uh, have you ever gotten mad enough you start feeling sick? get a headache, nauseous, vomiting, uh, you get uh, you know, sick to your stomach, you just don't feel good, you have to go lay down, you're so mad, your body goes into shock. Well, there's a reason, because science tells us that when we get angry, our blood pressure goes up and our immune system actually goes down. So when we get angry, our blood pressure rises, but our immune system goes down to give us uh, a greater chance of being exposed to being attacked in our health. Anger can trigger heart attacks, strokes. It has been proven those things have a, a, a direct correlation and effects with each other. Men who have problems with their anger, statistically speaking, are three times more likely to be diagnosed with heart disease and five times more likely to suffer a heart attack before they turn 55. Men with anger problems are more likely to suffer heart disease and heart attacks before they're 55 than other people their age that are cold, what we call cold-headed or cool-headed, that don't seem to get angry as often. That has actually been proven by the internal medicine, uh, the archives of the internal medicine back in 2002. See, the opposite of being angry, though, is being joyful, cheerful, happy. In fact, Proverbs 17:22 tells us that a joyful heart is a good medicine, that a joyful heart is taking a good medicine. See, the emotions, the, these emotions affect, have direct correlation and, and effects on our health. And anger normally is a deadly emotion in more ways than one, meaning it's not just a deadly emotion in our relationships, but in our actual health, it's deadly. Another thing that anger does is anger causes foolish behavior. That's the third effect that we talk about. We're talking about the, the results. We've been just talking about point number one, the results we have to uh, realize the results that anger causes, and then some of those results are they could they could affect our relationships, they could affect our health, but it also causes us to do stupid stuff. Have you ever gotten angry and you done something foolish, and then you go back and look at and go, man, I just did that when I was angry, but that was a dumb decision. I know I've done that before. See, when we get angry, we say things and do things foolishly. Have you ever said something you regretted when you're angry? You got angry, and you just said something you're like, yeah. I I don't love you anymore. I can't stand you. I, you know, I wish we'd have never met. Whatever. You say something in anger. Ooh, that's a bitter pill to swallow. You see, anger will cause us to say and do foolish things. Someone once said, I read a statement where someone once said, you will make the greatest speech of your life that you will also regret when you are angry. What they're saying is the greatest speech you make, you will ever, the greatest speech that you ever make that you'll regret the most is the ones you say when you're angry. I don't love you. I hate you. I wish we'd have never met. I'm, I regret be, marrying you. I, see, you have to be careful. Can you get mad at your spouse? Sure. But the Bible says, be angry and sin 
not is what the word of the Lord says. In fact, Proverbs 14 and 17 tells us that a quick-tempered man will act foolishly and a man of evil devices is hated. It says a man of evil devices is hated, but a quick-tempered man acts foolishly. Man, that is, that is, that's a tough, tough scripture to swallow, isn't it? That when we get quick-tempered, the Bible says we're a fool. We act foolishly. The Bible also says to us that fools get they get rage or they they rage and become arrogant. And someone uh, has said uh, I've read before where someone calls anger temporary insanity. You know we know what insanity is. It's the plea bargain everybody takes when they commit a crime. Temporary insanity. Oh, I just lost my mind. I didn't know what I was doing. We like to call that temporary insanity because what that means is we acted foolishly and impulsively. When we were angry, we didn't think about it. We just impulsively reacted and didn't realize the consequences of our behavior. You know, somebody makes us mad, we pull out a gun, we shoot them. Well, we still get in trouble with the law because we, just because we're mad doesn't mean that it gives us the right to go out and shoot somebody because we got mad about it. We can, we have times, everybody gets angry and mad. But the problem is we sometimes have impulsive, what I call quick triggers. We, we, we react and pull the trigger faster and then later regret the decisions we made. In fact, we all not only get angry, but we have to remember what Proverbs 29.11 says. Proverbs 29.11 actually says, a fool always loses his temper. There's that word fool again. A fool will always lose his temper, but a wise man, a prudent man, or a wise man will hold it back. Meaning someone who is wise and prudent, they will not suppress their anger, but they will channel their anger in healthy means and through healthy mechanisms. Instead of yelling, screaming, and hollow, they'll take a time out. They'll go take a deep breath. They'll find a relaxation technique. They'll, they'll do deep breathing exercises. They'll take a bath. They'll go to the swimming pool. They'll go play golf. They'll do something. Then come back and address. They'll take what I call emotional time outs. Just a break. I'm a basketball coach. When I see the games getting out of hand and my team is struggling and frustrations and tempers are flaring and they, they, things are not going the way that it seems they should, I call a timeout. I bring them together. Guys, take a deep breath. Settle down. We got this. We, we all right. And, and I encourage them and then I try to get them up and running again. Why? Because the point is they needed a break. Sometimes when we get angry, we need to take emotional timeouts and go back and regroup and reassess. You see, angry call, anger calls us to do foolish things. I'm reminded of the story of the lady who had a dog she got bit by her dog and uh, didn't think too much about it. A couple days later, she started feeling real sick and looked like the wound site was getting infected. She goes to her doctor and her doctor does tests. He comes back in and he tells her, he says, I'm sorry to tell you this, but uh, upon further review of your test, you have a significant case of rabies. And unfortunately, it's progressed to the point and there's not much we can do. So you probably should set your house in order because you only have a short time to live. She asks the doctor for a pen and a piece of paper, and she begins to write. And he says to her, he says, um, ma'am, he says, are you, are you trying to write your last will and testament? And she says, no, I'm trying to write down that if something happens to me, the list of people that I want my dog to go bite. And what she's saying is she's so mad about the situation that she wants to send that same anger and aggression towards other people when that's not the right thing to do. So we know that anger can affect our relationships, affect our health, can affect us to making foolish behavior. But another effect, result, effect that can happen is that it opens the door for Satan in our lives. It opens the door. It's like opening the back door of your heart and saying, 
hey, devil, come on in and, and, and hang out with us. In fact, the Bible tells us to not let, as I said, out of Ephesians 4.26, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. But Ephesians 4.27 tells us, and do not give the devil an opportunity. It says, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath and do not give the devil an opportunity. It means don't give him an inch of space. Don't let the devil have any inclination or thought process that he can weasel his little nasty self right in the way and ultimately uh, create catastrophic damage to the body of Christ and to you. Every time we get angry, it gives the devil a place to work in our lives through bitterness, resentment, uncontrolled mouth. In fact, Proverbs 29:22 tells us this, a hot-tempered man always abounds in transgressions, meaning a hot-tempered man will always find himself in a mess. So when we get angry, it's like just opening the door and saying, would you come in our hearts, devil? Would you ruin my marriage? Would you ruin my kids? Would you ruin my business? Would you ruin my testimony? Will you just come and make me miserable? And that's not what we want. We don't want to be miserable people. So when we get angry, that gives the devil a place. So the first thing that we talk about when we're talking about help for the hotheads is know the re reflect, think about the results that will happen if you get angry. The second thing is to help the hothead is to repent from sin, to repent of the sin. So whatever makes us angry when we get angry, if we get to the point that we're angry and we sin, then repent, make good, make restitution in the situations that we mess up in. You see, when dealing with sin, we have two ways to address it. People have two choices when dealing with sin. They can either confess it or they can repress it. Repressing it, all it does is make it become volcanic. It keeps getting suppressed, 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 suppressed. A volcano can lie dormant for many years, but after enough pressure is built up, the volcano erupts and the lava spews out and everything in its path becomes, it becomes a destructive force to everything in its path, causing widespread catastrophic damage and ultimately destroying everything in its beaten path. At the end of the day, that's what anger does. If we suppress and repress our anger, over time it just builds and builds and builds. And then one day the simplest of things sets us off and we spew, we spread venomous toxins and the venom out to the world and it has catastrophic implications. Or we can confess it. Lord, I am angry. I'm struggling. I am frustrated. I am mad. I am, I am hurt. And at the end of the day, we can have the spirit of the Lord to help us. You see, once we realize we're angry, we don't, we, we, oftentimes don't realize it, but we're hurting ourselves. We're spilling venomous toxins to other people when it's not necessary. It doesn't have to be that way. You see, our angry venom hurts people, hurts the people we love, the people we care about. They get the, the, the object, if you will, of our wrath. You see, in Proverbs 27 and 4, the Bible tells us wrath is fierce and anger is a flood, meaning it is quick. It is powerful. It causes damage beyond belief. You see, oftentimes we like to play the blame game. You remember the story of Adam and Eve. You know, Adam and Eve. Eve gets tempted by the devil, the serpent. She gets mad. Whenever she gets, she sins. She gives it to Adam. He sins. God comes down. What have you done? Adam's like, the woman you gave me gave me this. Because he didn't want to get in trouble. And the woman's like, wait, it wasn't my fault. The devil, the serpent, you put in this garden. It's his fault. And everybody's playing the blame game. You remember Cain and Abel? I just read the story to, to Micah last night in our Bible study time together. 
And Cain says to Abel, he says, you know, or they get mad. He gets mad and angry about the gift and the sacrifice. Abel brought the best of his flock. Cain brought just leftovers of his of his produce. It was a heart issue. And Cain gets mad. And in his fit of anger and rage, he meets his brother out in the field. And when he sees Abel, he has such hatred and resentment towards Abel that he literally kills his brother out of anger. The first murder in the Bible is a direct result of anger. Anger is deadly. It's deadly, uh, a deadly toxin and poison and emotion. And God comes down and says, Cain, you know, why do you do it? He's like, am I my brother's keeper? He's still angry and mad. See, when we get mad, we like to play the blame game. But the reality of it is we can't blame anyone but ourselves. You see, blaming our parents for our circumstances, that doesn't change the circumstance. Blaming our spouse, you see, that doesn't change the circumstance. When we get angry, it is nobody else's fault except ourselves. Now, you say, well, Pastor, that's a harsh thing to say. No. Now, if they do something to us and they make a decision, that is, that is, we, 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 that's there on them. But our response to the decision is not their fault. Our response to whatever situation happened is directly my fault. If my wife leaves me, depending on how I respond and my trust and faith in the Lord and, and yada, 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 whatever it may be, that's on me, not on her. If my husband goes and makes a bad decision and, and he comes home and tells me about it, my reaction is on me. Hurtful words I say, that falls on me. Doesn't change the situation, it falls on me. Same thing, when we get angry, that's a choice we're making to be. So what we decide to do and channel our anger has direct correlation. We must take responsibility for the things and the actions of our rage. The word repentance literally means to be sorrowful or be sorry or remorseful and to make a change in behavior. To be sorry and remorseful with the intent to make a change in behavior. You see, when we say we're sorry or we repent for something, that doesn't mean go back and keep doing it. What that means is we have to be sorry for that behavior. We got to continue to ensure that we don't live or engage in that behavior like that. You see, we can uh, learn from Acts 26 and 20 that when the Apostle Paul was describing uh, people needing to repent for their sins, he says in the last, you see, a lot of people uh, don't realize when they say they're sorry, what they're really saying is, I won't do this again because they keep making the same mistakes. But the Apostle Paul says uh, uh, in his writing or in his his uh, speech that he gave, or sermon he gave, Luke is actually the writer of Acts, but Luke records what the Apostle Paul says. He says, the last phrase in Acts 26 and 20, the Apostle Paul says, we should perform deeds appropriate to repentance. Meaning if you say you're sorry, your actions have to match your words. If I say I'm sorry, but I go back and do the same thing over and over again, I'm really not sorry. I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry I got in trouble. I'm sorry that something, but I'm not sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for the effects that happened by my decision. I'm not sorry for making the decision. He said, repentance really means to perform deeds appropriate to repentance. If I say I'm sorry, then my actions have to validate that decision. It doesn't mean that we can immediately annihilate the anger, but what it does mean is there will be an obvious effort to try to channel means to overcome the sin and anger. What it does mean is I'm going to try my dead level best 
to be a better Christian, a better husband, a better wife, a better child, a better coworker, a better church member, a better pastor. I'm going to do everything in my power that when I say I'm sorry, I'm going to do everything in my power to try to be a better human being. I may not can annihilate the angry in the moment, but I'm going to try my best to continue to grow in being a better, well-rounded, emotionally holistic person that can channel and keep my emotions under subjection. You see, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it goes away immediately, but that I make an effort. I try. You see, when we talk to, you know, a lot of times when you talk to married couples and stuff and you try to talk to them about how to handle conflict and anger and things like that, one of the things you should tell, one of the things that, that is important to understand is that people should always be looking for improvement, not perfection. Listen to what I said. In any relationship, marriage, spousal, uh, children, church, we should be looking for improvement, not perfection, because nobody can be perfect. A pastor's not perfect. Sunday school teacher's not perfect. Spouses are not perfect. Children are not perfect. Job uh, bosses are not perfect, but God is perfect, and we are supposed to be daily being perfected by our faith in Jesus Christ, so that means that daily we should be showing signs of improvement, not necessarily perfection. We're trying to reach perfection, and then the only time will ever reach that ultimate perfection is when we get to heaven where there's no sin, no sorrow, no death, no dying, no crying, no remorse. We get to heaven. That's ultimate perfection. But as long as we live on this world, again, journey to living wisely in a foolish world, as long as we're on planet earth, we're going to make mistakes. Things are going to happen. We're going to get angry. So we don't shouldn't focus on finding perfection. We should strive to see improvements in one another. So we understand that we must Reflect on the results that anger can bring. We must repent of the sin. And then finally, we must restrain our reactions. We must think first, okay, if I get mad, what are some of the results of my anger? If I get this angry, what are some of the results? Well, I can have health issues. I can mess up my, my relationship with other people and damage it and ruin my testimony. I could open a door for the devil. I, I could act and make foolish decisions. So, so that's the, I have to think about the results of what happens if I get angry. Then if I get angry and make a bad decision, I go, okay, oh Lord, I'm so sorry for the sin. I'm so sorry that I reacted that way. I, I'm, I'm willing to admit and not do it again. But another way to help us not become so hot-headed in our lives is to restrain our reactions. Don't become reactionary. In fact, I was listening to a, a devotional this morning that said, don't make temporary, don't make permanent decisions on temporary situations. Don't make permanent decisions on temporary situations. And it struck a chord with me. I was like, wow, what a powerful phrase. Don't make permanent decisions on temporary circumstances. Means the window is broken from the baseball that my son threw the window. I get mad and angry and tell him how horrible of a child he is. That has a, could have a permanent effect on him. Scar his, his, his emotional well-being, scar his self-esteem. When in reality, maybe the next day, the day after or shortly thereafter, someone's gonna come and fix the window. They're gonna put a new window in. They're gonna put a new screen in. It's gonna get fixed. I mean, ultimately, it's gonna get fixed. But I can't... I may not be able to fix the damaging words I spoke prophetically over my son because I said things that I will regret. So don't make permanent decisions on temporary circumstances. 
you see, because not most things in life, they're not permanent. They're fleeting. So we have to understand, how do we restrain? How can you say, well, Pastor, how do I restrain my reactions? What are things I can do? Well, number one, watch what you say. The first thing we're tempted to do when we get angry, we want to verbally let it out. Gee, what were you thinking? What's wrong with you? Are you crazy? I mean, how stupid of a decision you are. You're so dumb. You know, we want to, we want to verbalize it. Sometimes, remember what I read in James? Be quick to listen. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. And slow to get angry. See, what we're saying is I need to listen twice as much. See, I've always told people you got two of these one of these, which means God wants you to listen twice as much as he wants to hear you talk. <laughs> Come on, somebody, that's good preaching. Even if you're not with me right now and you're tuning me out, I want, that's good preaching. God wants you to hear twice as much as speak. Listen twice as often as you talk. It will save your life. Watch what you say. You see, we don't always have to verbalize it. We can just listen. And we still might get mad, but listen to the heartbeat of our spouse. Listen to the heartbeat of our children. Listen to the message that's being projected. Proverbs 10, 19 says, when, angry word, when, when there are many words spoken, transgression is unavoidable. When many words are spoken, when I talk a lot, sin and transgressions and hurt and heartache is unavoidable. The more I talk, the worse it gets. Come on, somebody. Happens in church all the time. The more people talk behind the backs of the preacher, behind the backs of the other church people, the more people talk, busy bodies, busy bees, the more people talk, come on, you know, the more transgressions is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips or he who learns to be silent is wise. God says the one who can control the tongue. The Bible says the toughest part of the body to control is the bridling of the tongue. It says you can almost control an ox and everything else better, but the toughest thing to tame is the tongue. That's, that's pretty powerful. This little small thing right inside here, that's the toughest thing to get under control. You see, we like to, the old, old adage, we like to have blowing of the stacks or, or vent or to just get it off our chest. But you've often heard the old, word, old proverb say, Make sure that your words are soft and sweet today because you may have to eat them tomorrow. And wow, what a powerful statement. Make sure your words are soft and sweet today because you may have to eat them tomorrow. See, Proverbs 21, 23 says this. He who guards his mouth and tongue guards his soul from trouble. He who guards his mouth and tongue guards his soul from trouble. Another way to help with restraining our, uh, or learning to restrain, have restraints, is to handle our hearts, protect your heart. One of the main reasons for anger is because we got hurt by another person. A lot of times we get more angry when somebody hurting us. On a regular basis, we will see people get hurt and insulted by what people say. Proverbs 12, 16 says us, a prudent man conceals dishonor, meaning a, a prudent man's not gonna go around and try to hurt people. He's gonna do his best to make things right. You see, insecure people, people that battle low self-esteem, low self-worth, insecure people are often easily, the most easily to be insulted and have, because they have low self-esteem. And oftentimes the people that get angry so quickly, when we strike that nerve or that cord with them, a lot of times it's an issue because they lack self-esteem, self-worth, or confidence. There's a lot of people with self-esteem and self-worth issues and not understanding the value of who they are in Christ and their self-worth and their identity in Jesus Christ. And a lot of that has direct correlation to the fact 
that they have not found their freedom in Jesus Christ, their freedom from anger, their freedom from aggression. They have not found their freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. And so they still battle this self-identity, self-worth crisis because, you know, we know in the world today, people are battling sexual gender crisis and sexual ideologies and identity crisis. But spiritually, a lot of people are battling their spiritual identity crisis because they don't understand how to get their anger under subjection because they haven't found freedom in the name of Jesus. But there is freedom in the name, salvation in the name, healing in the name of Jesus. There is no other name. And so when we get our hearts hurt by other people, we must understand that, that even though insecure people are easily insulted, we must be willing to nurture their hearts and not hurt them. Because oftentimes if someone says something to us and it's not true, we don't get mad. If someone says to me, Pastor, you look, you're, 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 uh, your purple hair looks atrocious. That is the ugliest hairdo I've ever seen. Well, I'm not really mad about it because I don't have purple hair. I have, you know, dark brown hair. I don't have purple hair. So I, that doesn't bother me. But if someone says, Pastor, you're the most, you, you, you're, you're ugly. You're a hideous man to look upon. You're one of the ugliest men I've ever seen. Well, well, now that that's different because I maybe I feel self-confident, self, I have low self-confidence in my physical appearance. Another way, not only can we watch our words and guard our hearts, but another way is to hold back our hostility. We don't have to always be combative and say things. You got to learn to control your anger. You know, we can't go back. You know, some people might say, well, I can't hold back because I have a short fuse. I can't control my anger. Yes, you can. That's an excuse. The Bible says that you can control you can put your body under subjection. Crucify yourself daily. You can put it under subjection. And if you say to me tonight, Pastor, I can't control. I have a short fuse. I can't control my anger. Well, then what you're really saying to me is you don't trust the power of God. God's not more powerful than you. You're more powerful than him. And that's dangerous. Yes, you can because Proverbs 12, 16 says, a fool's anger is known at once, which means a fool always makes a decision, a conscious decision. And he's a hothead. Then you also can pray for patience. Anger is a lack of patience. The cure for our anger is a controlled, filled spirit, a controlled, being controlled by having a spirit-filled life, in which the Bible calls being filled by the spirit or controlled by the spirit. We talked about the Holy Spirit this past Sunday and how he he is a he can he wants to infill us and control. Ephesians 5:16 says we 5:18 tells us we can be filled by the Holy Spirit. When we are filled by the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the spirit of our lives is produced and one of those fruits of the spirit is patience and so if anger is a lack of patience that means when the spirit is controlling us we will be equipped with more patience that means we'll never get angry again but it means we will have a long suffering a longer time uh, before we get angry by being filled by the spirit so today my challenge to you is to in order to live wisely in a foolish world is learn how to not be a hothead learn how to control your emotions your angers your bouts and fits of rage learn how to Keep yourself guarded under subjection. Before I pray today, let me make a mention to you again. VBS, June 13th through the 16th. Sign up. Register your kids. You can sign up on our website, SanteeCircleCOG.org, and register your kids, your grandkids. You can let us know if you'd like to work and be a part of that. You can sign up at church in the Welcome Center or contact Sister Jennifer Wyatt. Don't forget the church work day, June the 5th uh, from 9 till 12 uh, to clean up some things around the property. We need all hands on deck, those that can bring trailers and stuff for us to take dump loads. We appreciate it. June 6th, men's and women's Bible study, men and women's ministry on that Sunday night, June 6th, 6 p.m. If you're able to bring a covered dish or let's bring food together and celebrate together. I love you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, you know the needs that each and every person have before we even mention them and before I even brought them to the attention of this body tonight. 
Father, I pray you would be with us. You'd go and lead and guide and protect us. May you bless us and keep us. Your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance upon us. Give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding and guard our hearts till you come again. And may the words of our mouths and meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my God and blessed Redeemer. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. I love you. I am so glad you tuned in. If you're joining us live, God bless you. If you're streaming this later, at a later date than the 7 o'clock hour on May 26th, then just know I'm praying for you as well. Come see us sometime to, if you don't have a home church, location 1211 North Highway 52, Monks Corner, South Carolina, or you can watch us online, Santee Circle COG, uh, on Facebook and on YouTube. I love you. God bless you. Keep holding on to the hope. Hold on pandemics in. Hold on problems in that lies within you. That's found in Jesus Christ our Lord. God bless you. Amen.